Hello, and welcome to the Quacks Podcast. I am your host, Lucas, and I am flying solo this week. Brian had some health problems. He uh, he had some kind of heart thing go on, and so he had to go to the hospital. He's okay. He's at home. He's fine. Uh, but he wasn't able to make it to the podcast this week, and this was the only day I could record, so I had to do this solo, uh, which is never fun, but uh, the show must go on, as they say. Hopefully, Brian shares with us a little bit of what happened uh, on next week, and maybe any lessons he learned. I don't know. We'll see. So this week, I'm going to dive into four, three or four different news things. I figured instead of getting into some new subject matter or diving deep into something, we just talk about the news and about what's happening out there. But first, I wanted to address a question I keep getting, which is kind of like, you know, where is this podcast going? What uh, what are your ideas for it? And so I want to I wanna point you to two things. First, I want to point you back to episode one, which is kind of the thinking about the empirical nature and not being irrational and and kind of the it laid the basis of of the approach the experimental approach of of the podcast and so i'm not going to you know dive back into that here but if you if you're curious about the the very foundation of what the podcast lays on i would go listen to that first episode and as far as what i want to do and where i want to take this so Right now, the internet is changing everything, and it's it's been happening for a while now. I mean, this isn't new. Everybody knows this. And in some ways, it's analogous to when the, you know, Martin Luther and uh, the printing press really made the Bible go mainstream, and all of a sudden, people got to start reading the Bible, and all these people had different beliefs, and then they had 300 years of warfare, and that got us to the separation of church and state. But that change of the Gutenberg press... You know, it really, it changed things. And so that's that's what the internet is doing right now. And that it's bringing information to so many people who didn't have information before. And it's just amazing what you can, you can look up. You know, if you want to know how to change your garbage disposal, you can go look that up on YouTube. And you can probably look up the model that you bought and get a little how-to on, on that. So the same can be said for some things in health. And, and that's really where some cool things are going to occur. Some cool discoveries will happen because with health, you know, the body is, is not like a car. You know, physicians love to, the whole medical industry loves to tell you that your body is like a car and that, you know, you need your oil changed and yada, yada. But, but it's not like a car because the body actually has a feedback mechanism to its environment. That's its job in a lot of ways is, is to adapt to the environment that it's in. And so it's totally different than plumbing and and people are going to experiment you know for example there's a guy who has eczema uh, autoimmune eczema and he did a low vitamin A diet and I think he's been on this for now like 4 or 5 years and it's it's gotten rid of his autoimmune eczema and there's other people with autoimmune disease who've tried this diet and it's like working for him and and we'll we'll do an episode on that which is really interesting but who would have thought of that? No, I mean, who would say like, ah, I'm just going to do a low vitamin A diet. That's the way. But this engineer from Australia, you know, he read a bunch of stuff and he thought, this is how I'm going to get rid of my autoimmune eczema. And that's what he did. And so the internet is bringing that kind of thing to us. And you're not going to hear about this stuff from doctors because, you know, doctors, God bless them. Doctors are great. I have a doctor that I really like, two doctors I really like. So I'm, I don't want to, um, you know, put them down. But they, you know, they're, they're interested in, 
in bringing home the bacon, right? I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. Like, I know that that they're helping people, but they're out to make money, just like everybody else. You know, being a doctor is a job, and so they have certain incentives and they have certain um, you know treatments that they're going to go to because of financial interests, and so you just you're not going to get some of this really cool cutting edge stuff from doctors. Some you will, but for the most part, you won't. And and so the, the goal of the podcast is really to ride that wave, is to ride that wave of what's new. And and so what I, what I want is every time you listen to this podcast, I want some kind of new information that is pragmatic that you can apply to your life if you have whatever ailment or, or whatever whatever we're talking about, and so we kind of go to a lot of different subjects. I mean, we'll we'll have a we'll have a show on depression, and so that's just not going to apply to a bunch of people. But we want to give some really actionable things on depression that is basically like this is what this is the best of what we know right now. This is the best of what people are trying, and it's that mix of studies and that mix of what what are people trying to give you something that will hopefully work and that you could you could at least give a try to. And a lot of it's going to fail, but that's that's what I hope for. And and I really want it to be very pragmatic in what uh, we're giving you. I want it to be. I don't want it to be theoretical. I want it to always come back to, hey, you could try this and it might work. And you know, just like uh, just like Martin Luther and the Gutenberg Press, you know, there's a lot of going to be a lot of crazy stuff that gets put out there. Uh, but hopefully, there will be. You know, if you can just take away one little nugget that's going to make your life better, man, that's going to be worth it. So that's that's where we're going with the podcast. So onto the news. The first article I want to talk about is from Natural News. And this came out last Friday. It's called "Researchers Identify a Link Between Zinc Deficiency and Hypertension." So this was a rat study. So obviously, you know, you take it with kind of a grain of salt. Um, the reason being, you know, with rats, it doesn't always translate over into humans and all that stuff. So anyway, there's a lot of people out there with hypertension. So I thought this would be interesting. Uh, it's a good fix for the rats, at least. Now, what the researchers did, they found that when you take two groups of mice, uh, rats, whatever, uh, you feed one a diet deficient in zinc and another with a diet with plenty of zinc, uh, the deficient ones excrete less sodium in their urine, uh, and their blood pressure rises. The researchers then fed the zinc-deficient mice zinc-filled foods, and they found that those mice had their sodium excretions normalized and their blood pressure decreased. Now, normally, I wouldn't be interested in this type of study for the reasons I mentioned before, but what I found interesting was that they fed the deficient mice zinc and their blood pressure normalized. And zinc is a pretty easy mineral to get a hold of in either food or supplement form. Uh, I think for food, the highest zinc content can be found in the King of Kings shellfish oysters. I know some of you guys don't like oysters, but they are delicious, in my opinion. Uh, those things are loaded with zinc. But you can also get zinc from shrimp, mussels, and crab. Those all have decent amounts. And just in general, shellfish are pretty awesome for getting minerals uh, that are lower in our soils. I know there's a lot of concern about heavy metals and contaminants, and so I don't want to downplay that because there's definitely some problems there, uh, and maybe even plastics now. Oh, and maybe even uh, cocaine and ketamine. There was another article, I'm not mentioning it today, but there was another article uh, about shrimp found off the coast of England that had traces of cocaine and ketamine. So, woo, party shrimp. Anyway, shellfish are great for 
selenium, zinc, and a lot of different minerals, probably molybdenum. God, that one's always hard to say. A lot of minerals that are tough to get in regular foods that come from the land. So, you know, eating some minerals, some shellfish now and then, is, I think is really healthy. Lobster too, you know, to throw some lobster back. has some good, some great things about it. So for the non-shellfish people, uh, red meat, especially lamb, has a lot of zinc. And then you're looking at like dairy, milk, and yogurt. And for the vegans, uh, there is a small amount of zinc in chickpeas and baked beans. But if you're vegan, uh, zinc is one of those things that you are not getting a lot of. It is tough to get a lot of zinc from a vegan diet. Like the chickpeas and baked beans, you got to eat a decent amount of those to get anywhere near the amount of zinc you're going to get from oysters. So that's just something to think about. Um, if you have high blood pressure, it might be worth trying, just trying to have some zinc and see if it helps. I know when I take zinc, like sometimes I'll take zinc at night because it will up testosterone and it's very good for, uh, anxiety, that kind of thing. Uh, I notice I pee more during the night. I wonder if that is me excreting sodium. Anyway, the next piece of news comes from CNN and is related to breast implants. Uh, so there's been quite a bit of buzz online for years now about certain types of silicone breast implants causing all types of health problems. Um, and I'm not just talking about back problems or problems from surgery. There are women reporting autoimmune issues, depression, chronic fatigue, joint problems, you know, getting sick often, just just this like large list of odd sicknesses and symptoms that eventually go away after they get their implants out. So this article on CNN came out and it's reporting on what the FDA is doing with these implants right now. And they're cracking down a little bit on some issues. Uh, the implants in question are these textured silicone implants. And the FDA said that uh, many women have reported these issues to them that they're having, like we mentioned before. And the FDA is not going to acknowledge that these implants actually cause these issues. Uh, but the fact that these issues go away after removal of these implants should be made aware to more women who are considering getting these just of some of these risks. And I think there were some advocacy advocacy groups uh, that wanted the FDA to ban these textured implants, but they didn't go that far. They did tweak some of the incident reporting from the companies who sell these implants, uh, meaning that those companies, like, they have to report adverse incidents and, you know, more details, that kind of thing. Uh, and then they finished saying that, you know, they're monitoring the situation. But what is, you know, what is the difference between textured implants and smooth? I, I wondered myself, you know, why wouldn't, why would somebody want textured? Well, apparently implants come in different shapes. When you have a round shaped implant, it's like a circle. And so if it moves around in your body, it can be smooth and move around because it's just round. It's always going to be round. It's no big deal. But if you wanted a teardrop-shaped implant that's kind of more natural-looking, uh, you would not want it to move around. And so by texturing the implant, it kind of ups the friction, and that friction keeps it in place for moving around in your body. And the silicone, it's also reported to have a much better like feel and realness than saline, which is just a bag of water. Um, so that's that's the difference between textured and smooth. Now, given what I've read about the experience with implants, I would be very careful getting the silicon kind. I mean, I, I know the sample is biased because usually online you read about the negative stories, you know, you don't read about the positive. So I'm sure there's plenty of women out there who are doing just fine with their implants. But, you know, 
I would hate to see someone go through what they think is going to make their life better only to have, you know, health problem after health problem that until now was like a total mystery of why it was happening. You know, women would just be getting sick and having all kinds of issues and they had no idea why their joints were, you know, deteriorating and stuff. So yeah, I'd be careful. Plus, you know, surgery is not good for you. If you can avoid it, you should avoid it. And the reason is the scar tissue, it's basically weak tissue. So after you get the, which is, it's really nice that they, now they have the, the little, you know, laroscopic things where they don't have to like cut you up so much. They can just kind of do those little holes that they, they work in. But when you have scar tissue, it's basically low energy tissue. I used to read this guy, Dr. Ray Pete all the time. And he would talk about how scar tissue is basically damaged metabolically, which means, you know, it's tough. It's not flexible. It can't produce the energy that healthy tissue can. And that means it's susceptible to infection and maybe even cancer. And so I actually looked into this. I I went and thought, you know, is there anything out there saying that scar tissue can be cancerous? And I found this doctor called Dr. Rebecca Tung, who's a dermatologist. And they asked her, can old injuries in the skin turn into skin cancer? And she said, The answer is a resounding yes. A past injury to the skin, such as trauma from an accident which formed a scar, a vaccination site scar, or even past exposure to radiation or caustic chemicals which resulted in scar formation can potentially turn into skin cancer over time. Surgery is... This is me now. That's The quote is over. Surgery is basically controlled trauma to your body. It's not free, you know, and you only get so many traumas in your life before... Before you're done, so you know, or, or practically done, so, and so these skin cancers from scars they take a long time to show up. Um, so that's just one part of why surgery you just you don't you just don't want to do it if you don't have to. All right, next article, the next news piece is also from the FDA, so a lot of stuff from the FDA, and they issued a new black box warning for certain sleeping pills that are on the market. Uh, these sleeping pills are Lunesta, Sonata, and Ambien. Now, black box warnings are basically what they mean is that they can that the drug in question can kill you or cause severe injury. And there are apparently these rare sleep disorders that are just terrible with these these three drugs. And I kind of in a sick twisted way, I kind of love this list. I mean, if these happen to you, obviously this is terrible, you know. I'm I'm so sorry. Um but just the fact that this that this goes on is insane. All right, so here's this list. Here are the list of things that have been reported to the FDA that made them want to put the black box warning on there. Accidental overdose, falls, burns, near drowning, exposure to extreme cold temperatures leading to loss of limb. So, I mean, I'm guessing that somebody walks outside and falls in a snowbank or something. I don't know. Uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, drowning, hypothermia, motor vehicle collisions with the patient driving and self injuries such as a gunshot wound and apparent suicide attempts patients usually do not remember these events and the underlying mechanisms by which they're okay and they're not understood all right so you can basically take one of these drugs and in your sleep commit suicide i mean that's just nuts you try some natural stuff before you try this you don't want to go to sleep and kill yourself I mean, it's just awful. Maybe, you know, maybe turn your phone off by your bed or, or maybe not, not, don't get on the computer right before you go to bed, you know? I mean, the thing is, if you're not, okay, seriously, if you're not sleeping well, like there's a reason why, you know? Um, 
you, you should be sleeping well. Your body should be able to sleep well. And if you're not, then you should find out why. So, and it's not because you have a deficiency in Lunesta. We're going to end on some positive news. And this was an article from Mercola. A recent study by Bonterra Organic Vineyards, uh, which is an organic wine brand in the U.S., they showed that uh, differences in soil quality can be found between conventional farming, organic, and biodynamic farming. So we kind of covered covered biodynamic farming a bit in a previous episode uh, when we interviewed Randy from Organs Wild Harvest. I think that episode's episode four, and it's the final interview. I think there's three interviews in there. Uh, so if you want to learn more about dynamic, biodynamic farming from the guy who's doing the biodynamic farming, you know, go back there and give him a listen. Uh, but in this study... Pacific Agroecology, which is an environmental research company, they looked at Bonterra's 13 vineyards, which kind of have a a mix of like organic and biodynamic and conventional. And they found that the organic and biodynamic farming both pull, sequester more carbon from the atmosphere and put it in their soil. So apparently more carbon that goes into the soil improves a lot of different things. It improves soil health. It improves aeration, uh, drought resistance erosion so the the soil is basically healthier now organic soil had 9.4 percent more carbon and biodynamic had 12.8 percent more carbon so that was pretty interesting and the whole theme of biodynamic farming is to regenerate the soil although i gotta say uh organic wines are just they're just not i i've never bought an organic wine a second time and i don't know if it's just that the organic winemakers are not serious about it or something, or if conventional winemakers are just loading it up with a bunch of flavoring that makes it taste good. But I have yet to find a good organic wine. If you have one, let me know. So anyway, those that's the news stories for uh, this week. I want to just end uh, with thanking you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, the podcast has definitely grown. Um, and I'm going to start to try and get some guests in here and, and, and mix things up and make it interesting for you guys. Uh, so I just really want to thank you guys for listening. If you guys have a subject matter that you want to hear about, uh, send me an email, quackspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to cover it. Um, you know, I have some loaded up in the hopper that I'm kind of working on. I have one on weight loss, which I think is going to be cool because I got, you know, over eight years of being in the health food industry. I kind of have some good perspectives on that, I think. Uh, I want to do one on depression. I want to do one on uh, the doctor's perspective, like when they come into, you know, the doctor's office to consult with you, you know, what's what are they thinking? What are their uh, goals? All that kind of thing. All that kind of stuff, I guess you would say. And so... Um, we got some cool shows in the mix, but we obviously we want to talk about things that you're interested. So if, if you send us an email, love it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Be well. Be well.